Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Walk Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hey, what's up, everybody? We've got the Home Run Derby on live in the background, and I'm chatting with Chris Welsh. We're going to talk about the MLB draft, which just wrapped up today. It's, it's done, right? We're, we're finished with the MLB draft? Nope. We got a whole nother day. We got a day three coming oh. up. The the second, the ten rounds are done. I think we got ten more uh, rounds okay. coming oh, up. Oh, it's uh, 20 rounds now. I was, I was talking to someone earlier today. I, I There's yeah. so much that I have to keep track of that like I can't keep track of all the the different rule changes. I thought it was 10 rounds now. So it is well, 20 rounds on the draft. It. They've changed it so many times. It was like 50 yeah. rounds a while back. I had a friend who was drafted <laughs> by the Phillies in like the 48th round, like 15 years ago. And then it was 40. And then we went in COVID down to five. And now we're back to 20. It's, it's just like a roll the dice. And this is what it is per year. And uh, we've got Chris Welsh here from the uh, In This League podcast at Is It The Welsh on Twitter. If you want to go ahead and Chris, just let people know where they can find some of your... Uh, prospect focused stuff because that's what we're going to be talking about today yeah prospect one is probably the podcast that most people here would most likely care about uh prospect one podcast wherever podcasts are in this league.com is the patreon where i curate a top 500 dynasty prospect list i've got a actual dynasty list and then a list just 400 a 500 prospect list whole bunch of stuff in between and uh, obviously with this last draft i am uh, putting together all of the draft prospects that are going to be on it and the in this league fantasy baseball podcast as well if people want to check out the stuff i'm on, I'm on a lot of places chris it's the chris you're, and chris show here busy today. man you yeah, got a lot a of things man. going on a lot of a lot of pots on the fire as they say and i do have to we're, we're going to talk about the mlb draft and just kind of you know Got some high-level questions to start with, uh, and then we'll go through some of the the most interesting players that you need to know about, break those guys down. But I do need to start with one high-level question because it's certainly how I felt, and I need to know, Did is this the first draft that made you feel ancient in MLB? Ooh, not the... Okay, so that's a great question. It's not the first that made me feel ancient because we've had, like... You know, we've, we've been having some of these guys... I mean, I grew up... Love not that this was the draft, by the way, but I grew up loving like Vladimir Guerrero Sr. Mm-hmm. And then you get Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, coming in and signing internationally. And we've been starting to have that. But to what your whole point is here is to be like, oh, my God, this isn't just like a guy we grew up with when we were really, really younger. Like yeah. it was for, you know, Vlad and Vlad Jr. Again, not the draft, but like. Matt Holiday feels like five years ago, I could have thrown a rock and Matt Holiday was so gone. And his he son was even- out there. Matt Holiday hasn't even been eligible for the Hall of Fame yet, I'm pretty I sure. I don't think so. So to your point, like, yeah, I super felt old. I will tell you, not so much the names made me feel old, but looking at Jackson Holiday. You know the thing that happens when you get older? Yeah. Like, um, when you're younger, anybody like 25 or older looks ancient. You're like, ooh, gross. And then <sighs> as you get older, pe- like the youth progressively looks so young, and you see 25-year-olds, and you're like, oh, my God, what are you, 11? That's a child. This- 
this, yeah, this is a child. Jackson Holiday blew my mind because that is the youngest looking person I've ever seen on any draft room <laughs> board or anything like that. Drew, I mean, Drew Jones kind of did as well, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a little bit ancient, especially when like these guys could be our kids. It's it's a little rough. Yeah, yeah. Jackson Holiday, Andrew Jones, or Matt Matt Holiday's son, Andrew Jones' son, were the first two picks in this year's MLB draft. And actually, you know, I, I've wondered like the Blue Jays famously have you know Kevin Biggio and and Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero. I think they had Jeff Conine's son, Griffin Conine, at one point in their organization. I think did they have so. like Mark Grudzalonic's son or someone at like they had another no, they like. They had somebody else, and now I'm drawing a blank too. Uh, they they it really seem to be like a team philosophical yeah. thing, that's and it makes out sense. There. You know, yeah, these bloodlines pay. Yeah, these kids grow up in you know they've got the genetics going for them, but they also have the the environment that they're growing up in. They're they're growing up with with money and access to to the best training, and they're just hanging out in baseball clubhouses. I mean, there was a great you know, story that came out um, I saw about Jackson Holiday when he was. When Matt Holiday, I think, was with the uh, Cardinals, and they were talking to some of the guys who were on that team back when Jackson Holiday was like three or four years old, and the the, the guys were talking about like, yeah, he's gonna be the he's gonna be a major leaguer. Like these, yeah. these, the players were already predicting. They could already this. see it. They could already see it. You, yeah. you know, it makes me think of what you're saying too, uh, which is really interesting about maybe the valuation. I don't know if you followed this story. I, you're a Marlins fan, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, so you might have followed this story. Khalil Watson, who was drafted last year, uh, an insane, crazy talent, busted out mm -hmm. early into the season, power, speed, and then everything started to kind of fall apart. Strikeouts were hovering over 40%, and we all really didn't know what to do with it. Well, Khalil Watson had this really unfortunate incident a couple weeks ago where got some bad uh, strike calls, got pissed off, and then he like mm -hmm. did like a butt butt with a gun yeah. like thing with his bat. Well, the team like sent him home. And, you know, they just kind of washed their hands of it. And there was a lot of rumors about him being traded. And most recently, Craig Mish is actually reported, who covers the Marlins extensively and probably the best, had mm -hmm. said that the team was sending him to AAA after the All-Star break so he could learn how to be a professional. So I'm just tying this in to say what you're talking about is there is something to obviously talent and pedigree, but the pedigree can lie into these guys that know how to act and know how to be yeah. professionals. And that's something that we're seeing more and more than probably any other generation of, you know, third, fourth generation of talent that has grown up around baseball, grown up in the limelight, grown up with guys that have been and can relate into semi social media and all of that, that, there's another another range of talent that these guys can have that I don't know if it's ever going to change like how people draft or anything like that. But, you know, this past draft, it's not just Holiday and uh, Drew Jones, Cam Collier, Lou Collier's mm -hmm. son, Justin Crawford, Carl Crawford's son was taken in the first round. That, that, so I don't know why that one makes me feel older than than Jackson Holiday and Andrew Jones. It like, doesn't feel like he Carl, should have a kid. Yeah, Carl Crawford feel, like he feels like, like Andrew Jones was a 90s player to me. You know, Carl Crawford, yeah, yeah, I feel I like he was like a mid 2000s player. Like, I don't feel like it's like the Matt I'm, Holiday one. It's just like yeah. the Matt Holiday one. It's like, are we we're, we're at this point? Like, yeah. we're, I'm just waiting. Like, OK, is Ronald Acuna's kid going to be coming up anytime <laughs> soon? It is very jarring and it's only going to get worse for guys like you and I. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, I guess this is growing up, as they say. So, yeah, something we'll, like uh, that. I have conditioned myself just a tiny bit, though, as I've been covering a lot of like rookie ball. Uh, out, I've been out in Arizona for quite a long time, and I get, you know, these 17, 18 year old guys that were either drafted or come over internationally that at least I've conditioned myself just a tiny bit to be able to process all of these really <laughs> young guys and their and their talent and realize, oh, my God, this is a 17 year old kid that has got 
hundred million dollar talent that's playing here. That is something we all have to reckon with. Yeah, I, I just the 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 year, the date of birth for Tamar Johnson being June eleventh, two thousand and four. Yeah. Like, well, there's some 2005s out there, too. Yeah, so. that, it, it really makes me feel old. But we'll, we'll get to the specific names uh, in a little while when we go over some of your uh, first-year player draft rankings. But I want to you know, kind of ask some, some other high-level questions besides just ones that make us feel old and, and washed <laughs> up. So uh, I guess the first one, are there any players in this draft you could see being especially fast risers, you know, potentially making an impact towards the end of this season? We see that every couple of years you know i was doing some research and and the the last guy to make the leap from the draft to the majors without playing in the minors a little bit of a weird situation because it was in that 2020 season but garrett crochet came came out with the white Sox, didn't play in the minors was making an impact in their bullpen in the second half of that season mike leak in 2009 uh he didn't debut until 2010 but he didn't play in the minors um so there there have been a handful of those but you kind of have to you know Obviously, we know you have to be patient when it comes to the MLB draft. Is there anyone in this draft that might be a fast riser? I know this was a very college-heavy draft. I think I saw that um, 83% of the players drafted in the first 10 rounds were college players, which was the most since 1992, I believe. Which is interesting because it was lacking a lot of high-end college pitching talent Mm -hmm. and maybe some questionable middle-round college talent, I think, that was out there as well. That's an interesting question. Ben Joyce out of Tennessee, who famously throws like 105 miles an hour. (laughs) Everybody knows about him. He went to the Angels. I would tell you Ben Joyce, if it was on a team that was going to compete. If if the Angels, we really thought were going to be a competing team, Ben Joyce would help that team tomorrow. I mean, they could literally put him in and close. It's kind of hard to give. What argument can you place that a guy that's throwing 105 miles an hour can't immediately help you, even at some point. So Ben Joyce would have been one of those. The two, I don't think there's a guy that is going to jump because there were so many Mm. injuries. Another one of those would have actually been a kid that the Diamondbacks drafted, Landon Sims, who, big power reliever, who started transition to be a starter. I mean, we're talking like full-on fastball slider, boom, boom, boom. He would be a closer, again, if the Diamondbacks were good and he had not had Tommy John surgery. So I don't think there's a guy that pulls a crochet, but the two closest guys that come to mind here, uh, and you know, this one could be up for debate, but Kamar Rocker. I think yeah. there's a chance that the Rangers could do what they did with Jack Leiter, and what they did with Jack Leiter, his former Vanderbilt teammate, the year prior is they didn't let him do anything. Actually, Jack Leiter didn't even stay with the team. I was at Complex all last year, and he was there once. And actually, the one time I was there was during first pitch. I'm standing there with uh, Chris Blessing for Baseball HQ, Eno Saris. We're standing there, and Chris Blessing taps, taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, look behind you. And it's Al Leiter with Jack, <laughs> both standing right behind us, just chopping it up, talking. And that was the one time he was there the whole time. So they let him go train at Vanderbilt, and they didn't have him pitch. And then they gave him an aggressive assignment this year at AA. I feel like Kamar... It could go one of those two ways. They do the same thing. He doesn't do anything uh, the rest of this year, and then he gets an aggressive assignment, or they throw him at double A immediately because of the independent league he played in. And this could be a guy that back half of next year could come up. And the other one would be Jacob Berry, who I think you mentioned. Craig Mish also talked about him and uh, JJ Bladé maybe getting some time very shortly here after the break, but that Jacob Berry is another one of those guys that could probably help sooner rather than later. And, he's got a lot of like Kyle Schwarber comps in some of the ease of the swing and the way he's just able to like upper trajectory, his body, 
but he doesn't strike out to the same degree and he's got some good walks. So like, those are the two that come to mind. I'd also throw Brooks Lee and Kevin Prada as players that I wouldn't discount coming up soon, especially Brooks Lee. I think that's more complete, you know, solid defender, complete bat. Um, he was competing with Zach Neto as the top shortstop, but Brooks Lee is just so much more polished. So those would be like tier B of players mm -hmm. after Kumar and uh, Jacob Berry. Yeah, Kumar Rocker, uh, you know, famously the, the Mets signed him, picked him with the 10th overall pick last season, I believe, and didn't sign him, didn't offer him a contract because there were some red flags in the medicals. He ended up having shoulder surgery this offseason and pitched in five games with the Frontier League and yeah. was dominant, which is what you would expect from an, a, an elite prospect pitching in, a, in an independent league, 32 strikeouts and 20 innings. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see because you know, he really hasn't pitched much since the end of the 2021 college season. So, well, and his medicals, everybody was kind of saying his medicals still a little bit wonky, not mm -hmm. sharing everything. And as I was told before the draft, it was there's just two camps it was you absolutely love him and you're comfortable with everything, or you're so out because everything's a mystery and you can only deal with a discount. And what the Rangers did was the Rangers told us their game plan we're taking him three. We're paying him $5 million and he is going to be a frontline starter. Had he gone into the later rounds, you could make the arguments because there was a camp of people that said, hey, listen, Kamar Rocker is a great talent, but you got to put him in the bullpen and just let mm -hmm. him go immediately because that fastball slider changeup combo can get you some innings or get you a ninth inning right now. But he didn't go to a team that he'd need to do that. I mean, you go three overall with that type of money with the connection of the Vanderbilts, he is a starter. So that's the thing that might hold him back just a tiny bit, but Kumar and Jacob Berry would be my bet. But I will say this, there's probably a guy or two that we're not even thinking of that was mm -hmm. maybe a second or a compensatory round pick that might be floating out there that a team could theoretically push. I don't I don't know if I could pinpoint exactly who it is. There was a um there's a kid Mizoraka, Mizoraki, I think, with Milwaukee, who has got you know 100 plus uh, and a slider that you know that is like Milwaukee's bread and butter. But they mm -hmm. don't necessarily push their guys really big. But there's probably a second or third on pitcher that gets pushed a little bit further. But I would bet on Kumar and Jacob Berry. Okay, anybody else that we need to know about? You know, maybe for a more of a 2023 horizon or you know early 2024. Well, okay, so you definitely need to pay attention, like I said, to Brooks Lee. That's one. Mm -hmm. Kevin Parada, you know, I don't know how much we want to go into that later, but, you know, everyone's very concerned, like, oh, my gosh, Kevin Parada, what about Francisco Alvarez? And it's like, oh yeah, I guess it. I'll ask that question now. Does that matter to you at all? Like, no. A, a team, a player being drafted, like, need, I guess, would be the way you'd put it. Like, the, the Marlins drafting Barry, a team that really needs offense right now, you know, if you yeah. listen to the FBT pod. The Pirates just had like a 1-7-0 ERA among their starters against the Marlins. So, yeah, that offense is really a mess. Or the the Mets taking Kevin Parada, already having, you know, arguably the the top, you know, one of the top prospects in all of baseball in Francisco Alvarez, who also plays catcher. I don't think that matters. And no, my argument would actually be kudos to the Mets because what they did is they took the best available player and they mm -hmm. said, screw it. I'm not, we're not going to worry about need or anything like that because in this in, in like baseball now, you need multiple catchers. You need flexibility <laughs> with the DH, whether it's NL or AL. You are at a huge advantage. the The Giants did this a couple of years ago. They took Joey Bart, famously a oh, big bat, and then they took Patrick Bailey, a kid that hasn't come up yet, who is an A plus defender. And everyone was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" Well, guess what you have now? 
You got a guy in bat, uh, Bart who you love the bat, who can play some first, can now DH and be your secondary catcher. And then you get your big defensive guy who could be your main catcher. I think this is a situation where Kevin Prada can be the main guy and Alvarez has been playing a whole bunch of DH. You love the, you love the uh, big bat and offense. The side note I would throw in there as well is this is just hugely, stupidly speculative, but Kevin Prada was highly, highly connected to the Washington Nationals, and many thought he was going to go five to the Nationals. Mm. If you were putting together a package for Juan Soto, they loved Prada, but Elijah Green fell to their lap, and that's a th Elijah Green's the type of player you pull up if maybe you're going to unload this organization and you need future superstar talent. You passed on Prada. Ooh, pretty good tool and piece if you do the Trey Turner rule. You know you have to probably do him as a player to be named later that you could mm -hmm. move him. That's purely speculative, though, but they took the best player. You need two catchers. That's the way to go moving forward. It really shouldn't it shouldn't mess with anybody. Everyone should be happy as a Mets fan. Prada is such a talent. Steals bases too. Huge hit tool. Kind of a real muto light type of guy. Um, it's a great pick. I thought Prada should have gone, you know, really like five or six. And frankly, I think if the Orioles didn't have Adley Rutschman, they would have given serious consideration to a guy like Prada and their organization. But that's maybe like a little bit different. Like, you know. Like, yeah. When you have the first overall pick, you can be a little bit more pushy to going with high-end talent when you have a guy like Adley. Yeah, the the, the other question that that you know something you mentioned earlier about there not being you know a ton of high-end college arms in this draft, and one thing that I, I do wonder, and this is more, you know, we'll get back to the draft specifically, but it's a, a more high-level question that I wanted to ask because you're so into the prospect stuff, and I you know I, I do my research, but I I can't focus as much on it. And, and one thing that I've noticed, you know, in some comments reading about top prospect list updates this year is how, you know, I, I think it was uh, Jared Seidler from Baseball Prospectus kind of said something like, now is where you're seeing the impact of the missed season in the minors in totally. terms of the top prospects and how, you know, I think Gunnar Henderson is the top prospect on Baseball Prospectus's midseason update, but that they, they kind of made it wow. seem like it was almost a... Um, a kind of by default, like he was just the guy that everybody liked enough instead of like the guy that everybody loved. Whereas there, there are so many prospects in the, the high minors or, you know, the guys who you would think of as the top prospects who, because of that lost year of development, is that something that we're seeing? Like is, is the prospect pool shallower right now than it would well, normally be? That's interesting. So no, I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I will. I actually just was talking about this on Prospect One the other day, that the one thing we are lacking is we are lacking the top end superstar. It's funny. You and I are literally mm -hmm. sitting here. I don't mean to look over. Julio Rodriguez is probably <laughs> going to win this home run derby as we're watching him face Soto live. And we're lacking a Julio Rodriguez right now. The top mm -hmm. of the year, you know, you're looking at Julio and Bobby Witt. We don't have where many, many years it's like one or two top guys, whether it was, hey, it's Wander Franco and Kelnick or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Cunha and Vlad. We don't have that currently. What we have, though, is instead of these two big top tier and then, all right, a little bit here, and then we just kind of fall off, we just got this big clump of really mm -hmm. crazy talented players that are not necessarily at the superstar level, whether it's Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll, who once White Riley mm -hmm. Green um, graduates, is going to be my number one insane, insane talent. Whether it's some guys further down like Ellie De La Cruz or Jackson Churio, who's coming up, Dewelby Marte. There's this big clump of really talented players who haven't hit the superstar mold. So I actually think there's plenty of depth, but sometimes it feels a little bit kind of like, like you were saying. It's like, well, this is just the guy right now because yeah. there isn't a defunct, there isn't a unanimous situation. I and mean, the same thing happened in the draft. 
there wasn't a unanimous pitcher across the board. The best high school pitcher had Tommy John surgery, Dylan Lesko, who ended up going to the Padres. The best college pitchers were hurt. And Kumar Rocker mm -hmm. was a big question. So this was actually one of the bigger mysteries. Brock Porter, some thought was going to be the number one pick. He went in the third round today or fourth round, third round, I think today or fourth or I can't even remember at this point, pick 109. So there is confusion across the board. And I think what we're seeing in the actual minor leagues spills over into maybe some of the pitching evaluation where there's just this big clump of really good guys, but there aren't separators. Yeah. That's the weird thing. Okay. Interesting. Um, are there any signing risks in this year's class? A la Kumar Rocker. I mean, I know you mentioned some of the top arms are dealing with injuries. So that always introduces uh, a red flag, but is there anyone who was drafted highly who may not sign? So that's a good question. Um, and I understand it might be a hard question to answer because anything can come up on medicals, anything, you know, we don't know. We're not privy to the, to the negotiations the yet. That is the unknown is if the medicals could obviously change stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say this would be Cam Collier falling where I think he was thinking he was going to get $5 million and mm -hmm. he's now in the three, I think three and a half million dollar slot range. As long as the reds are comfortable over slotting, I still don't think he would be a major issue. There could be some high school arms. There, be, there could be some guys later. I mean, Brock Porter would have been one. I would say why even draft him at this point, but the Rangers who saved $2 million on Kamar rocker yeah. cut a deal yesterday and this was like industry known early in the morning. Everybody knew it. And at pick 109, he goes and he's probably going to get around $3 million. So that risk has gone away. There were a couple other kids. Reggie, Reggie Crawford was one who was the last pick in the first round who um, he had just made a commitment to Tennessee. Reggie Crawford's super interesting because he's a physical freak. He looks awesome. He's a great talent, great pitcher, two-way player. He did all these pictures with Tennessee. Hey, go Vols, I'm ready. And a um, little bit question of his signability. He gets drafted. Guy is already tweeting out Photoshop pictures of him in the <laughs> Giants uniform. And the Giants have said they're going to allow him to be a two-way player. So a couple of the... I had also heard uh, Noah Schultz was a player in the draft that wasn't going to sign. And sure enough, he went 26 overall. So I feel like a lot of the draft slotting has answered the major questions. One I would throw out to you... Um, is Judd Fabian uh, is another one. I think he's still a junior. He didn't sign last year with the Red Sox. And he went later again into around a $1 million slot range for the Orioles. And he improved a little bit this year. And I just wonder if, I don't know, if, if there's maybe some NIL money that could compete with the $1 million. And he just says, hey, man, I'm going to take the biggest risk we've ever seen. I'm going to go back for a third time and try to improve and get my stock up because it's just not a great slot. But uh, if gun to my head, I would just say, no, I don't think there's any, there's no Kumar rocker situation in this draft, at least in my eyes at this moment. Was I'm trying to remember was, was the Kumar rocker situation, a Kumar rocker situation at this point? Was it known? No, you know, that, no. Okay. Oh, I, if you don't remember one of the craziest things I still think about to this day was, uh, someone tweeted this picture of Kumar rocker in New York under a billboard with the Mets were like, welcome Kumar rocker. And they Photoshop, he was Photoshopped in a Mets uniform and he was so happy. No one had an idea. This was days after the draft. So no, at this moment last year, there was not a Kumar rocker situation. It just developed where a couple years ago, if you remember Carter young, who the Braves took, they hated his medicals and they tried to lowball him and he mm -hmm. was having none of it. And he ended up signing some big deal. I believe it was in Japan. Um, and he's still over there for a couple more years. 
those are the shockers that we just don't know about. So I would tell you that's a possibility. Like mm -hmm. Dylan Lesko, Dylan Lesko is a kid that needs to not take a dollar under if he doesn't want to, if the Padres tried to shortchange him coming off of Tommy John. But the weird thing is so many pitchers are coming off of injuries. So many. So the expectation has to be in everybody's camp that there are injury risks across the board. Yeah. If anything, there's only a couple first round guys that people would be surprised about, which might be like Cade Horton, who went seventh overall to uh, the Cubs out of Oklahoma, maybe a Hajerpe or Gabriel Hughes. Those would be the only ones. Everybody else has had some apparent risk, but uh, I don't think we're going to get any craziness, though I did speculate. The one I speculated on, uh, now I'm thinking about it, is where the Mets took Jet Williams, well, probably not Jet Williams, but Jet Williams, and then the Noah Schultz signing by the White Sox, Next year's draft would not be the worst draft to gain an extra pick on. There's massive talent. So look at the Mets. They upped their pool. If you can't get a guy to sign for what you want, you say, all right, no big deal. I've got an extra pick in a stacked and loaded draft next year. Would not be shocked if that became a situation, but nothing to anticipate. Well, especially because their, their draft slot figures to be a lot lower next season. Exactly. So, you know. Yeah, but I think, I think, like, let's say the White Sox particularly, the White Sox situation, it would still be about what they didn't get this year, which was 26. Mm -hmm. But then if they could have a potential higher pick, Mets, same thing, any of those guys. So usually the compensatory or the uh, compensation they get for not signing is relative to the range of the player mm -hmm. that they did not sign. That's why the Mets had two top uh, 15 yeah. picks this year. Okay, that's really great stuff. We're going to take a quick break on Fantasy Baseball today. When we get back, we'll talk some uh, first-year player draft rankings next on Fantasy Baseball today. Boom. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. All right. How do you want to, uh, how do you want to handle this? You want to just, you know, go through the top 12 or so, and then we'll, uh, you know, kind of 
talk a little bit about each player and then you know highlight some some other players we need to know about sure we can absolutely do that i actually think in my eyes the top 12 is pretty locked when mm -hmm. i look at this i do know there's going to be some disagreement i uh somebody that i love in the industry eric cross had put a tweet out for a guy that's right on the fringe for me he's actually number 13 on my list he had said uh chase the louder who went to the cleveland guardians who at one time was seen as uh maybe a number one overall pick uh, prospects live had had him at number one for many, many months said, uh, chase the ladder, no doubt. First round, first year player guy. I don't agree. If you are considering into top 12, if you're anything further, okay. If you're into 15, if you're looking at a 15 team Roto, guess what he is in there. But I do have a, what I feel is a really locked top 12, but you tell me, how do you want to go? You want to go 12 up? You want to start at one? I'm I think we'll start at one. Let's get the, you know, we, we'll, we'll do the inverted pyramid. The most interesting, the Im most important players first. And, and this is what people want to, people get so mad. Yeah. We do this sometimes when I do rank episodes. And if I go backwards, people get so angry. They're like, come it, on, just go at the top. It's always tough. Cause like you want to build that suspense and, exactly. and I get that, but like, you know, having been the, the, the editor for our department, you know, I, I have all the stats about how long people click through stories and all this stuff. And like, even stories that are really sticky sto stories that people read, like Scott's top 100 prospects, people just spend like five minutes on average on that story, which is crazy. Like if you yeah, know how great. long people stay on a pay on a story on average on any given website, the amount of time people spent on this, but even then, people drop off, you know, you get down to yeah. the, the number 25 player and all of a sudden it's like 60% yeah. of your audience has dropped off. So it's like, you know, you, you, and you lose time. Suspense. I do it too. You lose yeah. time. It's like all of a sudden you're back up against it and you're like, okay, number one, Drew Jones. Let's just, he's yeah. a really good player. His dad was a, okay, good to go. That's it. <laughs> so but is Drew Jones your number one player? He is my number one. It's not Jackson holiday who did go number one. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, Jackson holiday is not number two for me either. It's Drew Jones, who I think is an incredibly special talent. I've kind of been saying this over the last like 48 hours. I'm having trouble comping exactly if someone was like, hey, who's he like in the minor leagues right now? And I don't really know who I would tell you. Like Corbin Carroll, um, he's got more power and he is yeah. way, way more physically imposing than Corbin Carroll, who's shorter. Jordan Walker, who is a physically imposing guy, he's got the speed. Uh, Drew Drones is a much, I think, better defender. I think you would say to uh, in the totality of it in the uh, defensive side, but he's also a really fast guy. Robert Hassel, who I've got really high. It's another one of those guys who just physically does not compare. Drew Jones just doesn't physically compare with a lot of guys. Maybe Ellie De La Cruz, if you want to take, because a lot of people consider Red's Ellie De La Cruz a guy that is going to be able to maybe physically fill out. This is mm -hmm. like an 18-year-old kid who looks like he can easily put on 20, 25 pounds of muscle in the very, very near future, who is a complete five-tool player, hit over 500 in high school this year, and had maybe the most attention of anybody. There's this famous video that Prospects Live had put out where the high school crew in the side of the, of the opposing team is like, overrated. Yeah, I love that And one. Drew Jones just, boom, rocks it, drops the bat, looks over, and just crosses. And you, it's one of those moments you absolutely love. I think this is a potentially generational type of talent. Uh, it happens to be with my team, so maybe I'm a little bit homeristic. But I will tell you, uh, I'm incredibly aggressive on it. I do, and I would mind everybody, when I rank, I am ranking kind of in like a three-year-plus spectrum. Mm -hmm. I don't put hyper-focus into the now. I'm putting the best talent. And that doesn't mean I have to get a guy that is going to come up in the next year or year and a half because, look, Look, look at Jackson Churio. Look at LED La Cruz. Those guys are still a decent amount away. 
and they are exponentially more valuable than anybody could have expected. So yeah. I want overall skills, talent, and that's the most important thing. And I've got Drew Jones as a top 15 overall prospect already. And that's it's a little bit hypey. I understand that, but I really, really do think this talent is through the roof. And that is my yeah, number I mean, one. Arizona having, you know, success with Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll and the de development that they've had, you know, that the, the future outfield there looks pretty promising. And, and the way they've developed those guys, it, you know, does make you probably feel a little better about J Jones. And, you know, he, he was, you know, from what I understand was kind of the, the consensus top guy for the whole process. And, and Jackson yeah. holiday was more of a fast riser. Is, is that why, you know, Jones having that, that stability, is that why he's the number one guy or is it just the, the overall skill set? Well, I think it's the overall skill set. I, I think there's a couple things to it. You, you, you bring up an interesting thing with the Dimebacks in general, something I have personally seen and heard through other people is Look at the guys around him. Corbin Carroll, for example. Corbin Carroll has actually personally worked with multiple players in talking through swings, helping guys like Christian Robinson we haven't seen in a while, yeah. working with Jordan Lawler. He's kind of a coach himself, and he's an amazing talent. It's also a pretty hitter-friendly spot. I think the power is bigger with Drew Jones uh, than, than a guy like Jackson Holiday. if we're just comparing those two. I think the speed might be more impactful on him. I think it's a little bit quicker. I think there might be a year front on Drew Jones. And I just think he's the next big talent. I wasn't as high on to Jackson Holiday, and I don't have him at number two because number two comes in, not trying to move it away from it, but whenever you want to get to it, is Tamar Johnson, who that would have been the only player I would have actually been excited about or still happy and not thrown things across my room and potentially drop the ball wall behind me had the Diamondbacks passed on Drew Jones would have been Tamar Johnson, who I think might have the best hit tool. Um, Carlos Colazzo, who I had on my podcast from baseball America said he's the best high school hitter that he's ever scouted in his time with baseball America. He won a home run derby. He's got reeling game power. He's middle infield. He's an insane talent. And I think he could have justifiably gone number one. He doesn't steal which could be a consideration why someone would maybe want a guy like Jackson Holiday, number two in their league. The problem is, is there's a ton of high school players and you're going to have to reckon with that. If you care about the now, you are going to sacrifice the high-end talent because I believe at worst, the top four picks should all be high school players. Unless you're in a points league, you could justify Kumar Rocker in that top three. Otherwise, it should be high school bats. And if you're going to go that way, I don't need this. We don't need speed on every single front. Tamar Johnson's bat is yeah. one of the safest things in this. Not a big strikeout guy, big power, big contact four category player. And, you know, he's already, I don't know if you saw this anecdote, Henry Davis, who was the number uh, one pick for them last year, called Tamar after he was drafted and he, and uh, Tamar was asked, Hey, you know, what did he say? And Henry said, we're going to win a championship together. And he said, we've got to do this. And you've got this rallying happening in the minor leagues. And Tamar can be a leader. And Tamar can be the offensive leader of this team. And he is a clear-cut number two for me. He's inside my top 25 overall prospects. And that's kind of a tier, is Drew and Tamar. And then it opens up a little bit more. And from everything that I've read, you know, you mentioned earlier kind of the, the intangible stuff with, like, Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday and the guys who have been around baseball. But from all... From all that I've read, Tamar Johnson also really seems to knock it out of the park in that regard as well. So, you know, that oh yeah. That's something that we don't talk about as much, but in prospect circles, that, that really does matter. You know, that that's something that, that teams care about that that, you know, can kind of 
move guys up or down draft boards. So, you know, that that's something with Tamar Johnson as well that stood out in reading about not him. Not phased, uh, too. He's not phased. Yeah. Like, he uh, he can just get in on any pitch, uh, can be a leader right now. And, you know, look at the type of players they've been drafting. Nick Gonzalez was a big high bat, not a great defensive player when they drafted mm -hmm. him out of New Mexico State. Clearly going to be a second baseman. They're going to give a chance for Tamar to play shortstop. O'Neill Cruz destined for the outfield as much as I know everybody loves their 96 mile an hour put outs <laughs> to first base and how exciting that is. He's going to play in the outfield and tomorrow's going to be the future shortstop of this team with Nick Gonzalez. It's actually a pretty cool time to be a Pirates fan if you can stomach the minor leagues and you can kind of stomach the weight. Tomorrow is one of those players. It's really actually interesting that you don't always get this out of these drafts, but like you have a handful of guys that jump up to be like theoretical number ones or leaders. Like Drew Jones actually doesn't become the number one with the Diamondbacks. That's Corbin Carroll. Mm -hmm. And I have Jordan Lawler above him. But I'm telling you right now, Drew Jones will be the leader. He will be the face of that organization and the leader. You can already see it. Tomorrow's going to be the same way. Tomorrow has jumped in and he is actually my number one pirate. And there's a couple of those guys organizational wide that are going to jump in and have the potential to be the face of the organization. I would love to have a top two pick and first year player because I want one of those two guys. Won't be disappointed if I have to go in the middle because I actually think the first round is really strong, but this is that top tier with uh, Tamar and Drew. All right, who's at the top of the third, the, uh, the next tier? So the next guys, uh, again, this might surprise people because he was the number one overall pick and this is where things can open up a little bit. It is still not Jackson Holiday. It's Elijah Green. It's Elijah Green who at one point was number one on my list. Boy, can this dude hit. I mean, we are talking, and that's why I find it, you're not going to get crazy with it, but I really find it interesting that the Nationals committed to Elijah Green, who there were rumors of maybe some signing stuff that might happen if he fell, because um, this is a potential guy you build your entire minor leagues organization around. It is a huge, huge power. I think the strikeouts are a little bit of a problem. I would liken him to like a Jordan Lawler. I think he's going to steal a little bit less. I think he makes really good decisions at the plate. He makes big, impactful, like number three, number four in an order type of at bats. And I think he's going to be a 30 plus home run hitter. Really, really good decisions that hopefully the strikeouts are going to pare down a little bit. And I think he's just been completely just overtaken because of guys like Tamar and Jackson Holiday. And people forget about what a great talent he is as he's dominated at the high school level. It's really just been uh, strikeouts that have been of a problem. And I've got Elijah Green with the Nationals at number four that then follows Jackson Holiday. Number three, you mean? I'm sorry, number three. Yeah. And then Jackson Holiday at number four. And I think those two are the next tier because Holiday, again, is a five tool player. I think is a little bit more raw. I don't think the power is quite there like it is with either of the three guys above him. I think there's solid stolen bases. There's some Beau Bichette in him, but I think Elijah Green's power is 30 homer plus. I think Tamar is a 330 homer plus, and Drew probably at worst is a 25-25 guy. So when I look at a guy like Jackson Holiday, I just don't know where the power is. But number four is a really good spot, even though he's a number one pick. It's similar to like what happened with Henry Davis. Like you're not taking Henry Davis number one just because he went one. He just yeah. falls down a little bit. I just think Jackson Holiday is a little bit further and was such a riser. I mean, I don't want to, these teams know better than me, but yeah. if I'm making an investment in fantasy, I want to go with that pedigree on those top three that I've known and I've personally followed a little bit more because I'm not 100% sold on the crazy impact and power of Jackson Holiday at number four yet. Yeah, I'm reading he uh, broke JT Romuto's national high school record for hits in a season with 89 and 41 games. That's pretty good. 685 Bonkers. batting average. That'll play. Uh, and Elijah Green, worth noting, 
his dad was an NFL uh, pro bowler. Eric Green, yeah. former tight end. So there you go. But the Steelers. We're, we're keeping it with the uh, keeping the the pedigree going there. Uh, you said, you know, kind of a tier at number one and number two with Drew Jones and Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green and Jackson Holiday, their own tier. How big is this next tier? This next tier is, is a lot bigger. It's actually, right. in, again, at least in my eyes, the next tier is about six players deep. Okay. And it's kind of a pick your poison on where you want to go. Uh, I'll just kind of rattle off the six, not to take up too much crazy time, and then wherever you want to go with it. At number five, I've got Cam Collier, who again, this is this. I got five straight high school guys, huge power. It's a Jordan Walker feel to it. One of the youngest guys he reclassified to get into this draft ends up still going pretty high. Um, athletically, at third, could potentially stick there. I just think this guy's offensive upside is something you don't want to pass up. And I have him above a barrage of college players, even though I love them. Again, I would pick my poison here. Number six, Kevin Prada with the Mets. Double-digit stolen bases at Georgia Tech this year. Uh, 26 homers, I believe it was. Great contact. This is a lockdown catcher. If the Diamondbacks had the fifth pick and had no choice at, the, at like you know Drew Jones and Tamar Johnson... Give me Prada. I would be so happy about him because he's really got a um, JT Romuto feel as far as like fantasy production and more catchers are kind of moving to that. You know, you got the mm -hmm. bar shows and Will Smith was stealing a little bit. So I really, really like the prospects of him. If you don't want to go with a catcher, you've got a couple middle infielders, Brooks Lee, who ended up going to the Minnesota Twins. Uh, really great contact. Maybe one of the better college contact hitters in here has got kind of all fields power. It's just not insanely impactful. At number eight, I've got uh, Jace Young, who ended up going to the Detroit Tigers, who can play uh, second, third, can play all around. His brother, Josh Young, plays with the Rangers. Number nine, I got Jacob Berry, who went to the Marlins. I've talked about him with huge power. And I would throw Kamar Rocker in there again at number 10 with the uh, Texas Rangers. Prior to him being drafted three, he was my number one pitcher in all of fantasy. And I will note that if this were a uh, points league, I would obviously move him up a little bit, Kumar Rocker. Yeah, and, and Rocker, you know, like we mentioned earlier, could be a guy who moves fairly quickly. So, you know, that that could help him as well. Um, Barry, I'm a Marlins fan, you know, re begrudgingly, I suppose. It, it, it <laughs> won't go away. And so... Look, look uh, at us, Marlins and Diamondbacks we're talking yeah, on here. Wow, we're I mean, the big dogs here. At least, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it would have been nice if the Diamondbacks had gotten that early championship to kind of make the rest of the, the struggles a little more uh, palatable. Yeah. But, you know, still... The Randy Johnson, Kirk Schilling era—that was a lot of fun. We so. got one, yeah. We got we got two thousand one. We got our we got our one pennant. Oh, they did win. Randy, yeah, we That's got right. the pennant two thousand one, yeah, and and we got Randy. We've had some good times. It's just been lowly for a long time, but you know, both teams reorganizing. You know, I was a little downish on Barry, like like months ago. I rewatched a lot of video over the last couple weeks, and I was impressed with, you know the avoidance of insane strikeouts at the college level. This kid actually went to U of A. He um, went into the transfer protocol and went over to LSU to go play with the kid that's going to be the number one pick next year, just FYI, is Dylan Cruz. He'll be the number one pick uh, unanimously. Uh, it won't be a question how this year there's, even though Drew Jones went two, mm -hmm. there's no way Dylan Cruz does not go number one overall next year. And it was a packed and loaded team. And Jacob Barry was definitely one of the, um, you know, the big catalysts as far as it was offensively. I just worry, like, 
defensively, where does he go? The the defense doesn't help him, I think, a whole bunch if his bat struggles a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he can really get under pitches, and I'm worried about pitch recognition at the next level. So I'm not as hyper-aggressive as a lot of people, but he's still a top-ten pick. He still has got massive, massive power, and he connects into it. He did it at the highest level in college baseball. So I wouldn't knock him on that. But again, that's why I say it's interchangeable. I could see Rocker all the way up to five, even over Collier. I could see, you know, if you want preference and you wanted to go Barry over Young, you're just prioritizing big, more in-game power over maybe a contact hitter who might struggle with some power. So I think these guys are all relatively interchangeable. Um, but, you know, this is this is where I stick with this, these guys. And just for the record, because we do this every time we talk about his brother, Jace Young, J-U-N-G, uh, just like J-U-N-G. Josh Young for the, yeah. uh, for the Texas Rangers third baseman yeah. who – not going to play this year right he's still recovering from that shoulder no so there's a possibility uh one of the pluses uh not just of arizona being around is i actually live five minutes from the rangers and royals facility and during spring training uh he was sporting the big cast and his arm was put Mm -hmm. up right before spring training ended he shed that thing and that was gone and he started to just get use of arms i haven't been out to the rangers in quite some time since then i'm gonna get out there the expectation, I haven't really heard any new updates, but there was a possibility that you he could get ramped up in the near future and he could maybe get in on the back of the year. I would say at this point, he's probably destined for the Arizona Fall League. Maybe mm-hmm. he gets a little bit of run in September, not in the majors at this point. People thought he could be breaking camp. I don't think that's going to yeah. happen. I think he just uh, does some complex league, maybe gets to AAA, plays in the Arizona Fall League, and he potentially could break camp next year. That's Josh Young of the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, let's go through the uh, last two in that top 12. And I guess this is its own little tier, maybe. Or maybe there's a, you know, maybe it's a tier that extends into the teens. There's an argument that it could extend a couple more. Again, like league, the type of league that you play in or the different formats and stuff could maybe alter it. But these are pretty stuck to me. And number 11, the Los Angeles Angels took Zach Neto who I very much had a late run of falling in love with. He's got a little bit of Royce Lewis in him, a high front leg kick that gets in front and just a real lot of body motion that gets into pitches and can just start crushing. Uh, I've said this a million times, so apologies for anybody that's heard it, but one of the funny things that I really like about him, I always like um, quirky things about pitchers. Jesus Lazardo, who's with the Marlins, I love timing mechanisms. I love how he'll go three different ways, four different ways in a single at bat to pitch. Quick mm-hmm. pitch, slow pitch, hold it, normal rotation. I like quirky things. A quirky thing about Neto is if you watch video, I'm telling you, it's a big front leg kick. It's a lot of body motion. And then as soon as two strikes come on, he really tones it down, which is like the physical body representation of a guy choking up on a bat and yeah. bringing it up and not you know just trying to hit for contact. But he still shows some power to it. And unlike Brooks Lee, Brooks Lee is without question just a more locked in, better hitter. And, you know, if you want to bank on that, you're golden. But he doesn't steal bases. Neto does. And that's why I kind of comp Neto to maybe a not as loud Royce Lewis. Like Royce Lewis, mm-hmm. I think everybody, even though he got hurt, you kind of know what you're in for. You're like, wow, this could be a 2020 player. Neto's a little bit smaller, and there's a possibility he's at maybe best of 15-15. But if they continue to ve- develop him, and the guy has a big personality, Angels are not the best, by the way, at that type of stuff. Um I'm big on him, and I think the the sky's the limit. I'm really hoping to see him out here in the complex league. Did play at a smaller school, so 
I'm open to there being a possibility that, you know, that could have been a competitional thing, but maybe the angels can change some of their past woes and how they've been developing players lately. As you see with guys like Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, but Neto is number 11 for me. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that, that with the angels and that was, I didn't want to get bogged down in the Marlins of it all because I'm, I'm a pretty fatalistic Marlins fan. And, and that's a, an organization that, does not necessarily have a strong track record when it comes to the development of their young hitters. So yeah, that would be a pitching. concern for me. They do great oh, with pitching. pitching. Yeah, oh, yeah, across the board. Every, Yuri, everybody's Max throwing Meyer. these ninety-two mile an hour changeups all of a sudden on the Marlins. So yeah, yeah. No, the they, Angels have always been weird out here in the complex. Um, it's not so much. It's quite a down really since COVID. But pre-COVID, there was kind of a a sense where everyone would be like, listen. Just don't pay attention to what the angels are doing. Like they do weird <laughs> stuff. They they alter guys. Um, there was a time where like they wanted every single hitter to have the same batting stance and like motion, and they just do weird stuff that I'm not sure I really fully understand. That may have cooled down over the last couple of years, so I don't want to speak out of turn or mm -hmm. whatever. But um, the track record of like development from bottom to top is really not great with them. Neto, I'm hoping, is going to be able to break that curse a little bit. But it's just a it's a good bat. It's an offensive player. It's an offensive middle infielder who can hit and can steal and has a pretty high graded hit tool. Not a crazy strikeout guy. That's a pretty fun thing to bet on. Yeah, I, I was looking at uh, Eric Longenhagen's uh, breakdown of the first round and his uh, or the first day of the draft and his strengths for Zach Neto was everything. So, everything you know, oh i didn't know he that. liked them like that yeah long he was actually one of the big catalysts of kind of being like yeah, yeah don't pay attention to those couple years ago <laughs> angels like you don't want to you don't want to pay attention to that he definitely knows i like that uh yeah he's he's great i love reading his stuff uh who's your number 12 number 12 uh we're going back to the bloodlines justin crawford we're going with carl crawford's son uh you're again you're getting back to five tools i am a sucker for five tools. I'm a sucker for speed. I'm a sucker for um, being able to hit for some power to attach to that. The problem that he has, and I will tell you this, I think Justin Crawford has the potential to be one of the more divisive first-year player guys right now. Because I think when you start to comp him to his dad, and you know, good high school stuff, you start to think about the potential. You look at some of the video and you go, all right, this guy's going to hit. There is some power in there. Body, if you look at old video versus how he looked at the uh, draft, you can already see he's growing into his body. He looks like he's getting about the size of his dad. The potential in you is going to overcome you and you, it's going to take you over. I think you could see Justin Crawford on some list as high as five this year. The problem is... I think there's a lot of swing and miss. And I think this might be more more connected to like a Khalil Watson. Like I think this might be a little mm -hmm. bit closer to that. I had Khalil Watson at like three or four um, coming into last year's draft. And the dip kind of concerned me a little bit. And I think I think Justin Crawford is maybe in that same-ish range. That, you know, the, there's a pretty heavy strikeout issue that is there. And the Phillies are hopefully going to be able to work on it. But he's got all the tools. So again, this is like, Hey man, pick your poison. Are you comfortable with a guy? Are you comfortable with Khalil Watson? Can you own him in your system if he's striking out 35 plus percent of the time, but he's projecting out to be a 2020 player? If you're mm -hmm. not, Justin Crawford might not be for you or just move him down a little bit. If you are and you say, hey, I don't care. You know, give me the couple years. I want the skyrocket talent. And if he gets going, I'm going to win. And he has the potential to be like a top 10 overall prospect. Then I think he goes up. I'm playing it a little bit on both sides. I've got him at the very last pick in the first year player. He could move a tiny bit more, especially when if uh, I hope to see 
him get pushed into complex early. That's another thing. I just hope a lot of these guys, Drew Jones, Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green, Jackson Holiday, Cam Collier, you know, get these high school kids to play complex now so we can start to get a good vibe on it. Mm -hmm. And then we can really refine the first year player. And I'm super selfish because I hope all the guys Arizona based get out here immediately so I can get my eyes on uh, Drew and Jackson Holiday and Collier. I very, very selfishly want to see them immediately. You know, when you were talking about Justin Crawford and the Khalil Watson comp, one player it did make me think of was Jazz Chisholm, who had, you know, pretty significant Good swing and miss issues, but it was just the the physical profile was so compelling that he sort of overcame all of that and, and has kind of developed a lot at the major league level compared to, you know, the the, the numbers of the major league level are arguably better than what they were in the oh, minors. So not even a, that's Chris, been a, not even a really a nice bonus total astute on you because when he was the diamondback i love jazz is one of the most fun players of all time one of my favorite moments i personally have in every other weird stuff that i've done there's a couple that stand out it was the championship game at the arizona fall league in 2018 i believe that was the year and i'm on the field we're doing all the stuff and we look over and jazz had taken a camera from a cameraman and he went over to the dugout and he was walking around and we were like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm changing jobs. I'm going to be a cameraman today. <laughs> and him and uh, gosh, I'm forgetting uh, Lucius Fox. They both took the cameras and they went over and they and I have a picture. I still have it to this day of him taking a picture of me on his camera. And I took it of him. His personality is infectious mm -hmm. and he's so hard to not love. But the baseball side of it. He was one of the most crazy pull-heavy players I've ever seen. Every single pitch, he was trying to pull and hit 115 miles per hour. And that missing that nuance always had me really concerned. Could he tap into it? And he has. And he's learned to develop at the major league level. He's still, to me, kind of like a, like a, a higher upside Javier Baez. You know, there's like massive mm -hmm. struggle. He can get into the little... Well, in, Baez doesn't have the injury stuff, but those streaks. Uh, Jazz Chisholm can get into crazy streaks but his talent is undeniable. And like you said, great call. The guy has learned so much at the major league level. That is what you want from prospects. And that's what you hope that you can predict from so many players. Mm -hmm. It ain't happening with Spencer Torkelson right now. Happened yeah. with Julio. You're seeing it with uh, Jazz. That's what you love. And that's a really good call. And that could be something you're going to see with some of the volatility. And maybe Justin Crawford and like kind of tying it back to the very beginning of what we talked about, man. Bloodlines. What better way to then go talk to your all-star father and call Crawford <laughs> and have that experience of growing up around baseball to kind of really hone you in and get you through the struggles. So he's a cool talent. He's awesome. I think he might be the most strikeout. Him and Elijah Green are the biggest strikeout uh, concerns you should have in the first year. But there's a lot of fun guys in there, and it's not a bad time to have any pick in the first-year player or if you can get like one or two picks in your dynasty. All right, let's run through that top 12 again, and then maybe we'll just go through, like, you know, you can name five players outside of this top 12 that you like. But, sure. yeah, number one, Drew Jones for Arizona. Number two, Tamar Johnson for Pittsburgh. Elijah Green from Washington, number three. Jackson Holiday, the number one overall pick, is your fourth-ranked player and first-year player draft from Baltimore. Uh, Cam Collier from Cincinnati. Kevin Parada for the Mets. Brooks Lee for the Twins. Jace Young from the Tigers. Jacob Berry for the Marlins. Kumar Rocker from Texas. Zach Neto for the Angels and Justin Crawford from the Phillies. Only one pitcher in that top 12. Uh, yep. Any pitchers in that like kind of next group? Uh, Cade Horton is really close. He's the next mm -hmm. guy, uh, Oklahoma pitcher. Was a two-way player at one time. Uh, big fastball, 
plus. I mean, could be plus plus slider. I mean, hitting 90 on a slider is the definition of a plus. So he's got that. There's a serviceable curve. Hopefully the Cubs do good stuff. They got some really good young guys. Uh, Jordan Wicks is in there. So Horton is in there. And then you've kind of got this barrage that happens just a tiny bit later of like, again, if you're willing to wait and Dylan Lesko and Brock Porter, Brock Porter is going to screw up dynasty owners so bad this coming year because he, he went so late. He was a 109th pick and people aren't going to know mm -hmm. how to process it, but he wasn't signable to people. He's still in that range. So it's let's go him. Uh, obviously Connor Hughes, well, you know, Connor Hughes going to, um, going to Colorado. I'm sorry, Gabriel, Gabriel Hughes going to Colorado screwed me up a little bit. And I think he was a big talent and Connor Hajerpy. That's why I was confusing the two. Hajerpy is one of those guys going to St. Louis, you talk about a pitching factory. Those would be the main pitchers I would be looking at uh, that are outside my first-year player. And as far as any other hitters go, you should be on the lookout for Drew Gilbert. Drew Gilbert and Chase DeLauder, maybe the most exciting guys. Houston, the Astros got Drew Gilbert, and uh, Cleveland got Chase DeLauder. Those might be the most fun, fringy first-round players. Drew Gilbert's a little bit shorter, but absolute rocket. There's power, there's speed. Astros have done a pretty good job developing at the minor leagues. So those would be some of those guys. And the last one I want to throw to you, I love Spencer Jones. Spencer Jones out of Vanderbilt who went to the Yankees in the mid-20s. He's a monster. He gets stupidly comped to judge because he's six foot seven. But this was a crazy good athletic two-way player who ended up uh, showing some real power make really good contact. He's got a bigger zone. I just really like Spencer Jones and what a destination to go to the Yankees. All right. That's it. That's the Welsh. That's his uh, top 12 for your first year player drafts. He's got some other players to consider there. And uh, Chris, why don't you uh, tell folks where, where else they can find your, your stuff. If they want to see, you know, that, that full, what was it? Top 500 prospects ranking list that you got. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, in, uh, you just follow me on Twitter. Is it the Welsh? It's probably the best way to keep track of it. In this league.com, um, we've been an independent podcast in this league has for a long time. That's our Patreon. We do group me rooms to hang out with us. We've got live streams, and I've got my top 500 list, which also is a 400 dynasty. And one of the coolest things I do, which Scott White has taken, um, has been a part of the last, I think, two times I've done it, is I do this thing called the Prospect 180P, and we draft a ton of drafts and we create an ADP for prospects, which doesn't really exist. And I get industry guys and I get really smart guys and we're doing an update. We'll be drafting an update here shortly. So in August, the next update, we'll have a top 200 ADP, which will include the draft guys. And just a bunch of stuff. So is it the Welsh and in this league.com? That's the best way to get on track with all of my stuff. If that's what you want to do. It is the Welsh. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Chris. <laughs> we'll, uh, We'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. And uh, that's going to do it for Fantasy Baseball today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.